Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 287, and this is the week after the Super Bowl. And this was a weird turn of events for Sports with Friends. Last week was Super Bowl week. The week before, we had an amazing guest, the lovely and talented Shannon Dreyer. And we got into her story, and... We got on, it got on, it was going, it was going, and I don't do very, very long episodes anymore. And so we put a pause, and we re-recorded the second part. The funny thing was, we have a tradition on Sports with Friends where we do a Super Bowl preview episode. We've done Super Bowl episodes for the last five since we started this podcast back in 2015. Uh, If you look at it, Episodes 51 and 52, uh, we had Brian Kitchen, uh, former Super Bowl champ, uh, before Super Bowl week. We had Radio Row in Houston, Super Bowl 51. We had that one. One of my favorites was in Minneapolis in Super Bowl 52 uh, when we had Al Michaels and Peter King and uh, Andy Benoit in three separate episodes, uh, all dedicated to the Super Bowl. And uh, I've told you, it is a long history with this podcast and the Super Bowl, and we couldn't change it again. Uh, We previewed it last year with Kyle Turley. He was on the podcast, episode 234. And so last week, uh, the great Mike Golick of Mike and Mike fame and uh, uh, Golick and Wingo and longtime ESPN uh, guest, uh, he made himself available. And how could I turn down a podcast with the great Mike Golick? And what was I? What was I going to do with Shannon Dreyer's second half? It's such a great story. Uh, to recap, you know, I can do like the they did on the X Men series previously on Sports with Friends. Uh, Shannon had this whole career path that wasn't in sports broadcasting, and she at the time was managing a, a Starbucks, and there was a contest in 1998 that the station that I was employed by, KJR, had, um, and she was the winner. And against my better judgment, she was hired. Against my better judgment, I didn't know her. And I got to know her, and I had the utmost of respect. We became such close friends. And after I left Seattle in 2000 to go work for Major League Baseball, well, that's where the story picks up. And understand, as we welcome back Shannon Dreyer, she, for more than 15 years, has been on the Mariners broadcast. She travels with the team, unless there's a pandemic. And she has she's one of the few females in Major League Baseball to do so. So we welcome Shannon back, and let's pick this up where we were. There was a lot of uncertainty. I think that was a, a safe way to say it. Um, they were offering you no promises, Again, it, it, the management had changed. You know, the people who were calling the shots didn't have the loyalty to you that we did. And you mentioned advocate. Now, that, that's a great word, and that doesn't happen as often in this business uh, as it should, um, that someone vouched for you. Um, how did you find out? Let's skip ahead. How did you find out? So 2002 comes to an end, mm-hmm. and... By the way, since you have had this job, they haven't sniffed a playoff game. Just, just for the record, um, still haven't. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in my years there, I saw dozens of playoff games. But anyway, um, it's not my fault. <laughs> I don't know. 
I remember I remember when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. I was 24 and I was on the field at a Super Bowl. And my friend, uh, my, uh, my friend, Zach, he was with the Bears for 14 years and got to the Super Bowl in his 14th year. So he's 36 or so. We went to college together. So he's like in his mid to late 30s and he's at the Super Bowl. I had been there at 24. One of the things that was total luck for me was the teams had success. You know, mm-hmm. My senior year at Syracuse, Syracuse goes to the final four. So I had the experience of seeing what a final four was like at 24. I saw what a Super Bowl was like and all of those experiences add up to uh, being able to tackle these unprecedented things. And you're right. The, the stuff that we did uh, back then was unprecedented. Radio stations don't. Well, first of all, radio stations don't do that now. Well, they never have that. They, they wouldn't be able to hire for that. And you built relationships because you're friendly and you meet a lot of people in the Mariner organization. Mm-hmm. Did they create a position for you or was there an opening for a position that you just happened to be qualified for? Well, I, I found out that I, I think they created it for me. I don't know specifically for me, but they had me in mind at the time. And, you know, I have to take it back because after you left, um, we had a full stable of, of reporters and update anchors and they threw it all up into the air. And to that point, uh, my first reporting jobs were Husky men's hoops, which was perfect because I had, I, I knew college hoops. I didn't know NBA. Then somehow I got put on Sonic stuff. And so I would do the shoot around stuff and I would do post game sound. I didn't do any of the hosting for that, but I could do the updates from there. Um, and uh, somehow I did half a season of Cougar football uh, studio host too, which was an adventure. Um, and then I would be like the number two person. I think I worked my way up to like number two person for Mariners, but I would always be involved in the Mariners in the very least at getting sound and running tape and things like that. Uh, they took all those duties and split them up at one point, And I came away with no baseball whatsoever. And it was my focus and the one thing that I wanted. And I didn't like what I had been handed and I thought I deserved better. And I put my, I, I, I dug my heels in on this and I, it, it occurred to me yeah, that they four probably, foot 11, you wore heels. I did. <laughs> I did. And, uh, you know, I kind of threw a, a wrench in the entire, in the entire uh, project there, but it just, I was not, not going, I was not going to settle for what had been offered to me. And I, I thought it wasn't fair what had been offered to me. So I am. Um, but to it, put into context, before you continue, to put into context, not only was there not this position, but there had never been a woman on the radio broadcast. I mean, this was this. You are one of literally the first ever to do something. You know, a lot of people will say Susan Waldman is the, the pioneer of baseball broadcasting, but you're in the conversation. And I don't I don't think I realized that until covering the league for as a whole, how few of you there was. Yeah. And it's funny because now I host pre and post and I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who does that on radio too. And it just doesn't come to you because it's, it's what you do, you know? So I don't think about it that way. Um, but I had to get there. And at the time I was pretty sure KJR was pretty much done with me doing baseball. Yeah. I didn't know what to do at that point, but uh, I, I kind of made a little, I finagled a move and got myself into Seahawk coverage. And that uh, got me noticed a little bit more, I believe. And I was 
in Cheney, Washington, where they held uh, where they held their training camp every year. And I did a couple of those, and those were a blast. You stay in the dorms with everybody from the organization. Uh, it was a two-stoplight city. There were two bars that everybody went to after every, you know, practice and whatnot. Everybody ate in the cafeteria together. I thought it was great. Um, but in the dorms one night on my, you know, huge Motorola flip phone, I believe it was at the time. It probably wasn't that. It was probably a little bit more streamlined at that point. Uh, but I got a call. And I don't remember who exactly it was. I think it was the general manager of the station, but it was uh, another station. And uh, they said, hey, um, we are getting the rights to the Mariners. The Mariners had switched from Cairo at that point. New station was getting the rights from the Mariners. Uh, would you be Como, interested in right? covering? Yeah, come on. Yep. And I was asked if I would be interested in covering baseball full time. And it was completely 100% out of the blue. I didn't know rights had changed. I didn't understand what rights were <laughs> at that time. Um, I had no idea what, you know, it would involve. All I heard was baseball full-time. And I said, yes. <laughs> and uh, that led to a, a I meeting. you called me. You were like, you're not going to believe it. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, no. You hadn't word. heard anything about that at the time? Not at the time, no. Yeah, I knew they. I knew they were fans of yours. That's uh, and they had asked me about you, but they didn't say it was for a certain position or anything like that. It wasn't like that. Um, it was very casual. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. All I had known, and I, I knew I didn't tell them that I thought you were getting jerked around. Mm -hmm. I just, I did. I thought you were getting jerked around, and I didn't I know. <laughs> I didn't know how to help. I didn't know what to do, and you could have given up and I wouldn't have blamed you. I don't think anybody would have blamed you. You didn't. And I think that that perseverance, you know, I'm a big believer in karma. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that you getting that position in 2003 was karma. I, I, I really do. It was, it was, you busted your ass, you worked hard, you dealt with a lot of bullshit and you took the gig and it was incredible. It was, it was incredible. Now you did Como for how many years? and six years it was, it was six years so yeah, they, had, they had two contracts two three-year contracts i believe with them you you worked for the team no i've never worked for the team so you I've never worked, worked for the, the radio team. station only worked yeah. for the radio station yeah. but the team would tell the radio station you get her she's part of the deal it was part of the contract that they have a full-time designated reporter that traveled with the team and I think they had approval over that. And I had found out later that in addition to recommendations from you and others, uh, they talked to Jamie Moyer and Karen Moyer to get a, a, a player's perspective and a family perspective. Yep. She's going to be traveling with the team and, and whatnot. And I, I got thumbs up from them too, which I understand was instrumental. We'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. Don't worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. 
We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. It was never a question of whether or not you knew the game, but having to develop relationships with managers, coaches, players, other teams, other broadcasters. I mean, it's a massive undertaking. Um, one of the jokes, you know, I mean, it, it, it really is a joke. Um, when when Daryl died, um, I had this this influential lunch with Dusty Baker. And I remember that I, I didn't want to cover baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment. He said, if you walked into any game and he pulled up on his phone, the schedule of all the games, and he says, if you go to any one of these press boxes, is there four people that you know? And I said, yeah. He goes, that's 26 years covering baseball. And he says, don't throw that away because watching the game, my whole thing was I liked being at the ballparks pregame. I hated mm-hmm. the games because, <laughs> because once they started playing at the beginning, I missed it. That was all it was because I had gone 15 years with any baseball game was either a phone call, a text message, a FaceTime, a this, something, some quip, a line, a joke, a story, something. And it was missing. And, and, you know, Dusty, we took our kids uh, down to DC to kind of see the monuments and, you know, what you mm-hmm. do on a spring break. And I had lunch with Dusty and it was massively influential. How the reason I'm telling you all this is that's built up over decades. When you're starting out, how important was it? How much pressure did you put on yourself to make sure that you knew everybody and that everybody knew your name? Well, um, I, I don't know that I can remember exactly what my mindset was back then. Um, my job was a lot easier back then than what it is right now. Back then it was, we just need you to get a pregame interview, do a couple of hits on the pregame show, get postgame interviews and do hits on the postgame show. And now it's writing, hosting, do hits and do everything. It, it, it's doing everything right now. So I think that, I don't think I had huge relationships that were built at that point, but I did have a kind of a comfortability. And strangely enough, you know, Lou Pinella is as is, is, is fearsome as he can be, um, was welcoming to me in the clubhouse and in his office. So that helped. Uh, I had never been up to the booth before. And, you know, think about that radio booth and how odd that was to have a woman walk in and be there all the time for the first time. Dave Niehaus could not have been better. The entire crew couldn't have. But, you know, to have Dave Niehaus treat me from the get-go, you know, as a colleague, a respected colleague, uh, was everything. And the other writers, I had gotten to know some of them through doing other sports. And they were good to me in that regard, too. So I think some of those relationships were built. Players, that was going to take, you know, a little time because I hadn't been there every day before. Uh, Blowers was huge for me because he sat, you know, I sat next to him in the press box for games for a couple of years. But he would and introduce so he, you to the people mm-hmm. and he would, because he, he had just come off the playing field. No, not so much, a little bit of that, but just um, actually some of it was, yeah, I can take it to 2001. Like Blowers was very good friends with Brett Boone. Brett Boone knew that I was okay because 
you know Flowers that vouchers. Flowers was my friend. It wasn't right. that Flowers actually had to do anything, but because you know they knew that that helped. And then I will never forget. This is one of the best things that ever happened. <laughs> I sent myself to spring training. My first spring training, I got I wrangled my own sponsorship because that was the only way that it was going to happen. And so I'd never been before. 2001 or 2002, one of those? 2002. That was 2002. And uh, so I get down there and I'm about ready to walk into the clubhouse. And I'm a little bit nervous because, you know, again, I hadn't spent a ton of time in, in these situations. I'd never been in a spring training clubhouse. You remember that old Mariners clubhouse? It was the size of a closet and there were 60 guys in it. Oh, totally. And I, oh, and I, by nature, am shy. And it's very hard for me to go up to people that I don't know. And that's not a good thing for a reporter. You got to be able to no. do that. But, you know, I'm really trying to pump myself to go in. And I open up the door and it's just chaos in there. And all of a sudden, I, so I go through the door, the door closes. Next thing I know, the door opens again. And Mike Cameron is there. Yeah, and he nice. walks and he sees me. And Arthur Rhodes, I believe, was on the other side of me. And they each put an arm around me. And Cameron said, come on, little lady, come on in. And they walked me through the clubhouse. And it was the same thing. Well, if Cammie and Arthur think she's okay, she's got to be okay until right. she proves she's not. You know, it, it's it's an sure. ongoing daily thing in, in earning that. That's another guy but, I've never had on this podcast. That's crazy. Who, Mike Cameron? Mike Cameron would be great on this podcast. He would do it, too. Oh he would totally he would do absolutely it. do it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean, things like that. And again, it's the advocate. That's just another kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And but that's why Jamie, your story, but that's why at the beginning of the podcast, we said like your story could be a movie because all these people, like all these dominoes had to fall for you to be in that position. And you had 17 outs and you didn't take them. And that's what's what's amazing. And that's why I I have told, you know, you've spoken to classes of mine. I, I, you, your your story is remarkable in that it was not, you weren't handed anything. You earned everything. And, you know, one of my biggest gripes in this business is when people don't pay their dues and they just fall into shit. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names, but I know who all them are. And no, they haven't been on this goddamn podcast. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is not friends. You, you, uh, you, you, you earned it you you pushed and you earned it and it's it's pretty amazing um you mentioned some of the players in the early going who are some of the the not the current necessarily because this year was kind of hodgepodge who are some of the last decade or last five years players that people listening would have never heard this dude's voice <laughs> but you could vouch that they're they have an interesting story to tell Oh man. Well, I, I think there are just there there are too many like players who are are, are not as, as known in general. Well yeah, like it, who's a player that like you go into the clubhouse and you're like that guy, he he's a he's a talker. This is this is a person who who would be great. Somebody who's currently playing I don't know. And it doesn't have to be on the current Mariners. It could be somebody that was on the Mariners. That's not on there anymore. <laughs> that is really a tough one. Um, he's not playing anymore, but probably, you know, the most adventurous and kind of one of the, 
the, the funniest and he never knew what he was going to do next. Brendan Ryan would have fallen into that okay. uh, shortstop for the Cardinals for a long time. And then for the Mariners, just uh, absolutely on fire all the time. And they had a joke where it was, if he was sitting in his locker, which would get him, actually he was on a training table once and we were standing in front of the door and kind of did a little deal with the rest of the reporters. What'll get him uh, away, uh, get his attention away from the training table faster, a squirrel running by the door, a dog or an In-N-Out burger. And, and that's just kind of how he was. Um, you know, interesting players like the Mariners have just hired Hisashi Wakuma back as uh, he's going to be, yeah, as a coach. And this is one of the guys, and this is the thing that gets me, is that when there are guys in the clubhouse that nobody ever really gets to know, um, you know, he always spoke through an interpreter. Uh, he didn't have very much English from what I could tell. A lot of the players that do speak through the interpreters do, in fact, uh, like Ichiro, for goodness sakes. You could have, you, know, you can have an hour-long conversation with him, right. no problem. perfect English. <laughs> At the end, he did. Not when I was yeah, there. and... And that was uh, amazing getting to know him a little bit. And that didn't really, really happen until after he had left and, and went to New York. Um, but uh, Iwakuma is a guy that we never really knew because he wouldn't give up much of himself in interviews. But you see him every day in the process that he goes through and how hard he worked and how conscientious he was with teammates. It was like, this guy, you want to get to know more. I wish people could see this side of him. Um, one of the ones, and again, we're going back further, uh, too far probably, but you remember Jose Guillen and the stories about him and, uh, you know, this, this Flutter, is, yeah. yeah, and people would try and say he was a bad guy because I think he went after social once, and he, uh, I remember in spring training one year, uh, he, when he got to the Mariners, I, I had heard that he was kind of a fearsome guy, and he had a teddy bear in his locker, and I'm like, well, you can't be too bad if you have a teddy bear in your locker. And so well, I wouldn't bet on that. It's always been a teddy bear barometer. That's how you judge players. But it really kind of got me because that year the Mariners had a clubhouse attendant who died suddenly at the end of the season, like the very end of the season. Wow. Completely unexpected and had a family, a young family. And players go their separate ways at the end of seasons all the time. And the, the funeral and the, the, the service for him was like three days after the season ended. And this is like, a, you know, clubhouse attendance and what they do for players and how close they are to players. Well, not a lot of players, the ones who lived in the area were at the service. And I turned around uh, during the service and I looked and there was Jose Guillen who lived in the Dominican Republic. And he was in a full suit and tie, very respectful. And he would be like one of the last people that I would expect to think to put everything down and come to the service, spent time with the, the widow and the child, and then kept in contact with him for years wow. afterwards, which, you know, just things like that you don't see. You don't um, get those stories, right. You don't get those stories. Last year, actually, D. Gordon. D. Gordon is a fantastic, okay. fantastic example. D. when he got to the Mariners, you know, we knew who he was and we knew the story and and whatnot with him was not good with the media. And you sometimes when you're a media member, I have to fight it sometimes, but if you don't give me a good interview, you're of no use to me. And right. I'll be perfectly clear, for the most part, I like to believe that there are no bad interview subjects, just bad interviewers. If you don't give me a bad interview, 99% of, of the time, it's my fault, not your fault. But just D was difficult in interviews. And I just, it got to the point where like, I just don't want to even try anymore. 
And after his first year, he really started getting into who he was as a person and the way that he would look out for younger players and uh, the way that he has stood up for social justice and, uh, you know, the, the charities that he takes, the people that he brings into the ballparks, working with the victims of domestic violence and just really seeing who this person is, uh, became a father for the first time during the pandemic and the joy that he, he showed with that. And I remember he would have his nephew into the clubhouse all the time. It's like, why doesn't D have kids? You know, we wanted it to be at the right time. He was super uncle. Uh, but getting to see that side of D Gordon and realize that I was 100% wrong about him. Nelson Cruz is like one of the finest human beings you will ever meet on the face of the earth. Um, slyly funny, very serious at other times, takes a nap before every game, just, just, you know, just fun things like that. I there are a lot of them out there. That'd be impossible. I remember. He had a I, nap room. <laughs> well, I got to see some of those rooms. I remember um, when I was with the, the Mariners, uh, they, uh, the the Mariners leased a bunch of apartments in my building mm -hmm. and there was this outfielder named Charles Gibson and he lived above me and we had a crisis of conscience and we had to have a meeting and Ken Griffey Jr. made us go into this room and the only thing I remember about the room is that it said no media allowed and I was like I'm going back there that's so cool <laughs> that's always a highlight anytime you get past that one is a good one <laughs> Scary, but a good one. <laughs> All right. Two things I want to tackle uh, before, and I'm going to do them out of order. Usually I end with social media, but I want to tackle that. Um, social media uh, is something that I happen to really like. Um, mm -hmm. I've had pretty good experiences. Not all good experiences. I was hacked and that wasn't fun. And, uh, uh, you know, I've lost hundreds of followers because I've written things like wear a mask <laughs> and I don't think you should play baseball, but whatever. Uh, but that's not this conversation. I have seen firsthand, but I've heard even more. So um, when you're in the public eye and you are on social media and you're a woman, it can get really ugly. It can get really vile. Um, how do you navigate that? And how unnerving or or maybe not unnerving is being exposed to something like that? Yeah, um, it is it is kind of part of the deal, unfortunately. And uh, I, I think I've had one episode that was really, really unnerving and well, I've had a couple that shows you, I put them out of my mind as best I can. Um, but yeah, you are. And that, that's the part that I have a hard time with is um, I don't have a hard time with, but uh, just not always comfortable with is that there just is instant access to you at all times. And I think in, in dealing with it, if it is something that is really bad, uh, it's you don't need an advocate at that point. You need somebody that's going to step forward and kind of be a protector. And that that happens. I've seen, you know, other people see these things and and go after them. And I am not looking to start any wars on social media or anything like that. But um, I think that's needed when something like that happens. You need to know that somebody has your back and has it publicly. 
uh, for the most part, uh, the things are small and, uh, you know, there's lock buttons, there are mute buttons. And but is it, is it, is it, is it sexist stuff? Is it, you don't know baseball? Is it, you're a dumb girl? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, don't have to get, you don't have to get graphic with me, but is it, is it, it's it's got to be really different for someone like you versus someone like me just because of the nature of you're you're a girl well I mean, there are different levels of it i mean you do there i don't say you do but there have you know, there are the occasional or have been the occasional stalkerish things that you have to take legitimate steps against you know and that's nothing that i would have been exposed to in any other profession yeah and, and that's that's where you need it then where you need the the defender or somebody that's going to stand that's where you need you know your organization to help out with you on that and unfortunately that happens um then there are the things that you talk about the sexism or i had somebody uh, just last night you're too young to know about this in which case i laughed and, and said thank you but yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> you know but no um you, you get and i don't think guys would get that. I think it's a young lady. No, you know, you don't know this right. kind of thing. You do get the sexism. You definitely get that. And with that stuff, and it took a long time to get to the bottom of that one, because I a, have real problems with, um, I'm, I'm always right. And I will prove to you that I'm right. And I, I think that you have to know that there are a lot of people that don't care if you are right. <laughs> you know, they're, it, it doesn't matter. You're wasting your breath. Just don't. And that is kind of where I've come to it is if you run into that kind of person and it's not what you're saying, it's who you are. As far as I'm concerned, that person does not exist and mm. they're gone. And that is um, kind of hard because, you know, that's something that men do not have to worry about. But there is a certain segment of the population that flat out will not accept their sports from a woman. And I'm yeah. not going to win them over, so I'm not going to waste any breath on them. I see it. They're blocked. They're gone. I, I don't want to see it again. A model. Used to be a role model. We have a special announcement here to make on the show, and it involves Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music. And then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car... My daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. Um, what about uh, the idea that, and there are women, women that, I always say that make it harder for normal women they show up to the park. Um, they're, you know, dressed all skimpy or whatever the hell. They're 24 and they're miraculously always able to get guests <laughs> on, on shows. Um, and I can't. I, it, it drives me bananas. I've seen that. And you, I don't. I'm not. I'm not 
on some pulpit here. I'm not I'm not talking about it from a moral standpoint. I just hate that um, there are women who earn their stripes in this business. And I mean, they're Jane McManus and Christy Ackert and Susan Waldman. And there's there's dozens of women, uh, Julie DeCaro, uh, like the list goes on and on and on. But then there's 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 one at every ballpark. Like you see these women, you're like, what in the world is she doing? Um, how often in your 20 years or so did you combat that? And what did you combat that with? Well, luckily in Seattle, and I guess when I started out, it wasn't the case because there weren't so many. Um, now there are, you know, so many women that cover the team and that we're all, they've all earned their stripes. There's, there's no question about that. And what I've found is that when you do- Ken Mueller, is that, mm -hmm. that's a person? Yes, that's, that is a person. A yes, yes. Uh, but there are a lot. I mean, there's Jen, there's Angie. Um, Angie Arlotti, the great Angie Arlotti. <laughs> How has she not been on? Now that would be a week's worth of shows. She has not been on this podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, then Lauren at the at the News Tribune. Um, there have been uh, some MLB interns that have come in and gone on to fantastic things. Maddie Lee was in the clubhouse for a while. Uh, on the TV side, um, there there are some as well. But and, and they are all very professional, and they're in this because. This, for the same reason any guy in the clubhouse is. I think, um, you know, there was an age where there were what you were talking about a lot more of. And I, I don't think that we are seeing that as much. And there have been times that when you do see that, somebody does step aside and say, you know, it's not appropriate to dance with a player in the middle of the clubhouse. You know, we have seen that before. Or you might want to rethink the outfit right there. Or if it gets really bad, you're giving us all a bad name. What you do reflects on all of us. You might not want it to be that way. We don't want it to be that way, but it's that way. I think it's moved away in large part from that. Um, I, I think um, things have changed a lot in baseball. And I don't think that we are dealing with that as much as we were in the past. But I have also found that quite often when that kind of thing does crop up, it's not there for long. And so over, you know, let's say the last 10 years, it's just basically ignore it. It's going to go away. It really doesn't impact me. What, what did you make of Kim Ang getting hired as the GM of the Marlins? And did you know her? And what about this idea that, you know, before you, there wasn't, there wasn't a woman that traveled with a baseball team. Like, like not that baseball team. Um, and just the idea that um, you have a historical aspect to your career, just as she does. And, you know, you see these articles written about her, like, what was your reaction when you saw her? I like her. I, I you know, personally, I, I like her. I wouldn't call her a friend. I, I've met her a dozen times. She seems like a real nice lady. I don't even think she'd be a great podcast guest, but the idea that what she is and what she represents opens doors for so many more. Don't you think that there are people at the University of Washington that listen to your broadcast and say, I want to do what she does? Well, my immediate reaction was it's about damn time. And it wasn't because she was a woman. It was because she was a heck of a candidate and had been for a long time. And a large part 
of me wants to believe that things are equal and wants to look at people on their merits and look at women on their merits. And when I really think about it, that's selling a lot of the women short because there would be a lot more in bigger jobs right now than there are right now. So that that's kind of a struggle that I have. I, I like to think that you can work your way into anything and that's just hasn't always been the case. But, uh, you know, my next reaction was that's a brilliant move by the Marlins because uh, not because she's a woman, but because of her experience. When you think about she has worked in the commissioner's office for how many years now? She knows every other club in baseball. She knows how they operate. She knows a lot about their budget. She knows everything about their international moves. I mean, wouldn't you want a GM with that kind of knowledge in this day and age, especially when you can farm out, you know, you need a scout, you need the numbers, you need everything. If you had somebody that had the general knowledge of all other all 29 other clubs it, it was a great hire along those ways so that was my immediate reaction to it and yes she is the pioneer she is the one that has broken through in you know the highest level job for a woman there's been others you know vice presidents and and whatnot but this is this is a player decision making uh position so it, it was absolutely huge and at the same time you're seeing coaches you're seeing hitting coaches. Yankees have got a woman who's a, a hitting coach in the minor leagues right now who you know came from this area out here and, and worked at driveline and there are others doing the same you're seeing trainers as well so I think the doors are really opening and I think a lot of that is is the younger generation of Mariner, of uh, players and managers are so much more accepting of it right now is they're completely different and in my case you know, I walk into a clubhouse now that is very different than it was when I did in 1998, 1999. It, there's no question about that. But I think a lot of that is as much the evolution of human beings right now as it is the sport and, and situations. It's a great answer. Uh, absolutely a, a great answer. Uh, last question. And this is something that's unique to you. Um, and that is you you said you're shy. You've also said that, you know, you've had other insecurities. You have this determination to, this is probably not, it's not going to come off as eloquent as I'm going to intend it, but you have this, I'm going to show everybody and I'm going to, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And you have that, intestinal fortitude there's just something about you that you you will learn everything you'll 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 embrace everything and then something that's never been done you're gonna do it and no one's gonna tell you you can't you're just gonna do it where does that come from <laughs> it's such a unique thing that you have that not everybody has Probably being four foot 11 and being stuffed in lockers when I was little. <laughs> it was, yeah. I, I think that, you know, honestly, I, I do think that um, I was kind of taught early on that you have to fight for things sometimes. And, and this is, this is going to sound wrong. And I don't know that I advocate this to all parents. I think a lot of it goes back to, um, you know, I'm serious with the height thing. I was even smaller as a child and I don't just mean literally smaller, but as you know, in comparison to others, uh, my mom, and, and, and we are not violent people in the least, uh, in order to keep me from being bullied, told me early on, if somebody hits you, hit them back, but harder. Wow. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, that 
The opinions telling... of the uh, Dreyer family do not represent the opinions <laughs> of Sports with Friends. Oh, sorry. Again, to avoid being bullied. <laughs> but I think I think a lot of the attitude came, you know, from from that. In that, um, I wasn't I wasn't going to be denied, or I would be on equal footing regardless. And I think at times that can be you can get in your own way when you do that. There are times where you have to step back. You, you can't be too aggressive in everything that you do. Um, that you have to see the bigger picture and you have to be introspective about it and that maybe you don't really deserve what it is that you want. Maybe you haven't really done everything uh, to get to where you are. And maybe you are fighting a little bit too much. Maybe you do have to let go of the bone every now and then. And uh, I think that that is something that I've had to fight more than, than anything else is you don't always have to prove yourself or overprove yourself or your point. And if you do it in this business, especially, that can become a turnoff. You don't want to get into, you know, a three-day-long argument with anybody on any social media platform about anything. So I think in some ways it's good in that it gets you to where you need to be, but in some ways it can maybe keep you where you are, get you out of where you are, because you don't know when to just kind of relax a little bit and go with it. And that's something that I have to work against sometimes. I don't think you always want to. And as a woman, this, this happens to us quite a bit in this business. And I see it uh, quite a bit. But you don't have to go out there and prove everything that you know to prove that uh, you belong there. At some point, you've got to have confidence in what you're doing and, and that that's going to come through. And so I think uh, in the process and getting to where I wanted to be, that was important. And then I think there's a time when you have to put that into check. And then there's also a time when you need to wrap it back up if there's something else that you want. Um, this is a great answer. It's a great answer. And it's a great way to, uh, to, to end a podcast that has now become two podcasts. So Don't hit uh, anybody. We really don't. We, we don't no. endorse that. <laughs> and also in the Dreyer house, throwing sand was never okay, regardless never. of what the situation. You never throw sand. <laughs> understand. Understand. Uh, how can people follow, find you online? Uh, you can find me online on Twitter at Shannon Dreyer. Very original. Um, and also we have um, 710 ESPN Seattle as part of the My Northwest group. And we have an incredible website, the sports page on 710 at 710sports.com. Uh, is really the equivalent of many, many newspapers. And I write quite a bit about baseball and about the Mariners there. We've got Seahawks and everything else there. So I think those are the two best places. All right, mynorthwest.com. So uh, we'll end this the way we end every, every podcast. And that is, uh, if there was anything that you heard uh, during the course of this interview that you have an issue with or disagree with, or you want to challenge her on some Mariner stuff or whatever it happens to be, do me a favor, reach out to her directly and leave me the hell out of it. I am so there proud of my you. advocate. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we had a good run. You had a chance. You had a chance. <laughs> uh, I am so proud of you. I'm so glad that you did the podcast. And uh, I just hope that you remain safe, uh, remain smart, and just remain you. You are uh, unique unto yourself. And um, I have just been, I've been in, in amazement from afar, but also I've always, I, I know you and I know you and I get you. And I just feel like ultimately um, I just, I, I revel in your success. I really do. Well, you had a big part in it. You, uh, you set me on the path and equipped me with, 
much of what I use and, and still do today and try and teach to others when I have the opportunities. So uh, I can't thank you enough for that. That's great. That's uh, Shannon Dreyer, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, next week, no, no part three. Don't worry. No part three. We're just going to go with part two. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Enough, Shannon. <laughs> Enough, Shannon. Enough. <laughs> If you want me to stay, I'll be around today To be available for you to see I'm about to go, and then you'll know For me to stay, I got to be me You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Come on, Taking up my time